So I love that question that God challenged with. How much money is somebody's salvation worth? Okay, you also go, shucks, okay. But I mean, this, is, this, is, this is such a cool topic because it's, you know, so many Christians that I, that I talk to, it's like we don't understand the amazing gift that we've been given. So, so before you meet Jesus, you this, you know, nobody, you're a loser, you know, your life's going nowhere. And then you meet Jesus, and the Bible says that he, that he gives you everything that pertains to life and life in abundance, okay? You get salvation up front. You get righteousness up front. Everything that you've ever done wiped away, debt-free, inheriting. You're going to be inheriting a lot, okay? You've, you've got it made. And then what that does is that it frees you up to be an agent for Christ, to now get other people into the kingdom of God. Because you don't have to worry about where you're going to go. You don't have to worry about what you're going to eat, okay? Where you're going to sleep. You don't have to, that's, that's what the Word of God says. But so many Christians, they get saved, and they're just rehashing this, trying to figure out, am I really saved? Like, I love the topic of identity. I love it, okay? Like, that's, how, that's the, one of the reasons why I got into ministry, okay? But if you've been a Christian for five years and you're still trying to figure out your identity in Christ, okay, we need to move on to other things. You're meant to do more things. Identity and the ministry of identity is basics, okay? If you're still struggling with your identity in Christ, okay, I'm telling you now, make an appointment with me, because we need to sort some stuff out. Because you are called to change the world. Okay? Not to figure out your identity. Because God sets your identity straight the day you get saved. It's done. And it has nothing to do with how you feel about it. That's what the Word of God says. Amen? And we need to move on. Because God has called us to live generous lives. Okay? And generosity, I feel, is so tied into grace. You know what grace is? So grace, very simply, is the power to transform, the power to overcome, okay? So it's like when you, when you get saved, you're given power to completely transform. So before I got saved, I was a, a stoner, I was addicted to pornography, I was stealing money and stuff to pay for the weed and all of that. And I walked into a church service, I met with God, and I walked out completely free and delivered of all that stuff. One shot, done. Okay? And people came to me and, and said to me, Hey, Luke, hey, Luke, like you've, how long have you been saved? And I was like, a oh, couple of months. Like, but you shouldn't be doing the things that you're doing being saved only a few months. Like, what else am I supposed to do? God came and set me free. What am I supposed to do? Okay? This is, this, is, this, is what, this is what I understand my life to be, is that I am called to be an agent of change in my community and in my town and in my country. Amen? So, God, I want to thank you for the identity that you've given me. But my identity that you've given me is not an identity of trying to figure out my identity. <laughs> my identity that you've given me is to change the world. Amen? To lay my life down on the line so that others 
can know you as I know you. Amen? And I think this all has to do with generosity. Generosity is something that really, I think, is going to be a hot topic in South Africa in the years to come. This is uh, this is my prophetic call. I'm making a call right now. Because in order to be generous, you've got to believe that you've got something. Okay? Because people, you can't give from a place of nothing. Okay? And one of the reasons why I really loved that moment yesterday with Sia Colisi, the first, um, the first black South African to captain the Springboks, and the first black person ever to hold up the, the William Webb Ellis Cup yesterday was such, I think, such a prophetic moment in this country that we are, maybe not fully, we're not there yet, but we are starting at a place to embrace what we've got, okay? Instead of looking to what we don't have, we're starting to look at what have we got, and generosity starts from there. So, you can, you can put on that first slide. So, there's, there's, two, there's two kingdoms at play, okay? And it's the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. And the kingdom of darkness starts from a place of lack, okay? I need something. And not just, I just need something. I need what you got. I need Henry's ability to do worship, Henry's amazing. You know, I need that. And if I had that, wow, I would be an amazing person. Okay? Or I need Amu's diplomatic, charismatic skills, and I would have so many friends and influence so many people. Yes, if I had what Amu had. Okay? I need that. That's what. And how many times do we think that? I mean, one of, one of the things that I really struggle with that God really worked on me for a long time is that thing where I compare myself to other people. And you know why that's such a killer? It's such a killer because what I'm saying is, God, the things that you have given me are not good enough. You're not, a, you're, you're not actually a good giver because if you were a good giver, you'd give me what Amo has, right? It's, it's, real, it's a real slap in the face, really. And you know, debt, debt is a real sign of that. The country is ravaged by debt. The world is ravaged by debt. We had a, a massive 2008 economic collapse, world collapse of our economy, and that was because of debt. Long story short, uh, the housing market imploded because people couldn't repay their bonds. They were taking out bigger loans than what they could. And it's coming from this place of, I want what I don't have, instead of looking at what do I have. And it's an economy of lack. Okay, the kingdom of darkness is focused on that which I don't have. Okay, why did Satan get chucked out of heaven? Because he said, why can't I have the same adoration that God has? That's where it starts. Okay. I don't have what you have. And why can't I have it? That's where it starts. And it's always focused on getting what I want. Okay. 
But the, king, the economy of grace works completely different. Okay? I want to read a scripture, one of my favorite ones. Um, Matthew 20, verse 1 to 16. You guys can open up your Bibles. This is one of my favorite parables. My father um, taught this parable to me when I was a young lighty. Matthew 20, verse 1 to 16. There's so much in this parable. You could probably do a whole series just on this one. I'm going to read it through quickly. For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius or a day, he sent them out into his vineyard. And going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to them he said, you go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. Going out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, why do you stand here idle all day? They said to him, because no one has hired us. He said to them, you go into the vineyard too. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now when those hired first came, they thought they, they would receive more. But each of them also received the denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day. And the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for denarius? Take what belongs to you, and I go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. So let me put this into context. My, my father... My father did not believe in socialism, still does not believe in socialism, and he did not believe that in the house. And so if there were any talks of, but dad, you gave my brother this, why don't I get this? This was his go-to passage. And this was his reason. Okay? And this is what I'm going to do with my children as well. Okay? It's my money. And how I choose to give it is my business. Okay, the fact that you get anything, okay, is because I'm generous. Okay, just because I gave your brother a hundred rand does not mean I need to give you a hundred rand. Just because your brother gets this does not mean that you need, just because you get something doesn't mean your brother or your sister needs to get anything. Okay, and you laugh, but that sounds weird, but. That's how the kingdom of God works. If not, okay, maybe we'd all be Bill Gates with a couple of billion dollars. Yeah? Is that unfair? Okay? Yeah? Yes? No? Hmm? Maybe if I had that guy's house, God, and you were fair, how many times do we use the word fair? If it was fair, and uh, this new word which I'm which I hate so much, if it was equitable. I hate that word. Because God is not equitable. Okay? 
So here's the deal. When we talk about fair, fair is a good thing, but usually in the context where we're looking at it, we're looking at it, what do I not have? Okay? What do you have, and why don't I have it? Yeah, you got me? It's usually how we, that's usually how we operate. And yeah, so this guy he goes out in the middle of the day, and he hires people at different times of the day, and to each individual, he makes a promise and says, I will pay you a denarius for the work that you do today. And that's the deal that he makes with him. Okay? And when somebody comes back, when he starts handing out all the money, the person who came in the last got the same as the person who got into the, who came in at the beginning of the day. Now, if you've been working there the whole day, maybe you think it's fair that you get paid more. That's not the deal that God made with you. The deal that God made with you was that I'll pay you a denarius for today. Okay? And so, what the master is saying is, what I give you, you don't deserve anything. Okay? I do not owe you work. I do not owe you anything. My father does not owe me pocket money or a cell phone or an education my father doesn't owe me anything. And what he gives to me is purely from him being generous. That's it. Okay? Parents, I got your back. Um, you can pay me afterwards. <laughs> the worker is worth his wage. Okay. Uh, jokes. Um, and so you've got to understand that the way that God operates, He operates very much in a group context. So you're, you're part of Shofar Church, and Shofar Church is part of Churches of George, and we're part of a whole collective churches of South Africa, part of a whole collective churches of, of the globe. And God is doing amazing work through His, through his body. But he, so He deals with you in a group context, but He also comes and deals with you on an individual basis. And there are many individuals here, both of different races, different backgrounds, uh, different economic statuses, different demographics. There's, there's a wide range of people here. And if we were to start a conversation about fairness, I don't know if we'd get anywhere. And it would start from a place of, understand, of not understanding that God owes us nothing. Okay? That while we were still in sin, he loved us. Okay? And I know for some this is a really tough thing to hear, but, but I want to challenge you and say that if this is tough for you to hear, I need you to ask God for a revelation of just how much you need him. Because I don't know if you understand that. And when we come from that place, we understand that anything that I have by the grace of God. I, have, I can lay claim to nothing. I'm born into sin. And until Christ intervened in my life, my destiny was hell and damnation. That is the reality. Okay? And anything that I receive is from the generosity of God, not because I am owed anything. So, the economy of grace works a bit different. The economy of grace understands that what God has given to me is good. 
which means that I need to be constantly taking stock of what I have. So grace is unmerited favor, okay? And it's the power to overcome. And you do not deserve it. You made, you have no claim to it. And the only reason why you have what you have is because Jesus Christ died on the cross for you, okay? So that you may be saved. Our worthiness, our righteousness is all because Christ took the hit that we were supposed to take. You with me? Okay? And this is just the straight-up gospel message. You need to understand that before Christ intervened, okay, it sounds you were nothing. There was this girl, I remember after service, she came to the front, and she's crying, and she goes, Look, I don't feel worthy. And I said to her, and I don't recommend repeating this, I was you know, a different stage when I said to her, that's because you're not. <laughs> that's why you need Jesus. If you were worthy, why would you need salvation? Yeah. So now, obviously, hopefully I've matured and I understand. <laughs> Probably not the wisest thing to say in a situation like that, so I'm not saying repeat that. But the principle remains, okay? The economy of grace looks at something completely different. Understanding that God gives good gifts, and anything that He does gift can change the world. Okay? There's this really cool story. I want you to open your Bibles to um, John 6. Did I write it down? On my, I didn't write it down on my notes. Sorry. But go to John 6. Yeah, Jesus feeds 5,000. One of my favorite all-time miracles. I love this. So Jesus is he's going to feed 5,000 people here. And he do and uh, he does it. He does it. Hang out with too many Afrikaans people, sorry. <laughs> um and he does it by receiving the gift of a little boy, okay? And this little boy, he brings two fishes and five loaves of bread. And I can just, like, I can just see in my mind's eye this whole thing play out, okay? Jesus is like, okay, we need to feed people. Um, so, he's, you know, there's a whole, this whole crowd, and Jesus says, verse 5, lifting up his eyes, then seeing the large crowd that was coming towards him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread? So that these people may eat. He said this to test them, for he knew that what he would do. And for 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. What does Philip immediately go do? We don't have enough. This is what we need. Okay? One of his disciples, Andrew Peterson, said, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fishes. But what are they for so many? Okay? So what does Peter start? Okay? Philip's response is to go, if we had this problem, Peter's response is, let's take stock of what we have. And I can just see like the other disciples kind of like laughing at him for just even mentioning the fact that we only have two fishes and five loaves. Like that would even do anything. And even Peter's, even Peter's note that what would it do is awesome. Okay? 
because there's an understanding of what I have and what it's going to take for God to intervene. And what does Jesus do? Well, first he gives thanks. Okay. Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now there was much grass on the place so that when the people sat down, about 5,000 of Jesus then took the loaves. And when he had given thanks, he distributed to them those who were seated. So also the fish as much as they wanted. When they had eaten their fill, he told the disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So what, how does Jesus start? Thank you, God, for what you have given me. Okay? I can just see this little boy, okay, coming with his two fish and his five loaves. And the people probably, oh, shame. It's so cute, this little kid, thinking that he can help, you know, with his five loaves and two fish. Oh, cute, shame. Just, where's his mommy, you know? And here he comes, and he gives Jesus what he has. And Jesus gives thanks for what he has. Okay? So here's, here's the key. Generosity starts from a place of being thankful. And thankful require, being thankful requires you to take stock of what you have, not what you don't have. Okay? You need to start from a place of, God, what do I have? Even if it means you go, I don't know how this is going to solve my problem. There's no ways that what I have can climb the mountain of where I need to be. But God, thank you for what I do have. Amen? Are you with me? The appropriate response when God calls you to a challenge is to get onto your knees and say, thank you, God, that you've given me what I need to get it done. That's how the economy of grace operates, understanding that everything that pertains to life and godliness, God has given you. You with me? Okay? Not, okay, start the journey, and then if you get a few things right, then I'll see if I can give you, you know, the next phase of the operation. No, no. Everything that pertains to life, and life in abundance, God gives you, okay? Say life and life in abundance, okay? And it's important. When Jesus goes, life of abundance, God is a God of excess, okay? We don't tread water, we walk on water, you know? When people's like, I'm just trying to keep my head above the water. No, no, bro, we don't tread water, we walk on water, okay? That's how Jesus did it, that's how we do it. Okay? Amen? Oh, great. Great. Okay. So the economy of grace focuses first on taking stock of what I have. Okay? We, we've heard that. Count your blessings. Sound familiar? Count your blessings. Okay? Count your blessings. Using what I have to get what I need. Not desiring the things that I want to get what I need. Understand? It's what do you have? What are the simple things that God has given you? What are the skills that you have? Okay? And if you don't know what you have, great, that's what we're going to do for ministry. Okay? And it's understanding that everything that I need to accomplish God's will has already been given to me. Okay? Here's, here's, a, here's another very cool part about this. Do you know that 
You can be thankful for something that hasn't yet happened. Okay? Tell us how. <laughs> Thank you, Marshant. So, have you, have, you ever, have you ever wondered, this is, this is just me, just, sorry, this is, why do we pray and thank God for food before we eat? Like, shouldn't we first taste the food and see if it's any good and then give thanks afterwards? You know? I mean, my wife's cooking is like 50-50 at best. You know, sometimes she gets it, sometimes she doesn't. You know? <laughs> Jokes. I said that at a pastor's conference, and there was a French guy. He says, you don't look like a, like a guy whose wife can't cook. <laughs> Bloody French. How did you do in the World Cup, huh? Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just making a joke. But isn't it weird that we thank, we're thankful for the food before we've even eaten it? Maybe we're being thankful for very different reasons that we have food in the first place, right? But so many of us, we want to be thankful when we've got what we think that we should have rather than just being thankful for the fact that we're in a country that has more or less stable environment to come and worship Jesus in peace, Hey. Isn't that reason to be thankful? I think somebody clapped. That's the right thing to do. Now you clap. Okay, we're we're not we're not hiding. We're not we're not hiding anything here. We're all perfectly legal, worshiping Jesus. Amen. Right. That's something to be thankful for. Okay, the fact that we have clothes to wear, that we have food to eat every day. Okay, that's not that's not normal. Okay. I don't know if you've ever thought about the fact that, that somehow we, society managed to organize itself into some form and semblance of you know, normality where we can sit down on chairs and listen to somebody speaking without complete chaos. How did that work? No, but seriously, think about it. How did, we, how did this come to be? That we have cars driving around. It's weird. Okay, why are we not all just complete barbaric, every man, woman for himself, Mad Max kind of scenario? I don't know. What keeps it all together? I, I don't know, but that's something to be thankful for. And I'm not making that up. I think I'm being really serious about that. We have something in this country that so many people in other countries do not have. Okay, the freedom to worship Jesus openly. Okay. That to me is one of the biggest things to be thankful for in this country. Okay? And so I feel that God is challenging us to really take stock of what are we thankful for. Okay? And sometimes we need to be thankful for the things that God has released in heaven, even if they're not here on earth yet. And to take that same attitude that, that Jesus is, that as it is on earth, so it may be in heaven. Amen? Why do we give thanks? some things that haven't happened yet, okay? Because what we're doing is we're calling those things from the heavenly places into the earthly places, amen? Sometimes my breakthrough hasn't come yet. Sometimes 
you know, I'm, I'm still struggling with my finances, but thank you, God, that you've provided for me. Sometimes I'm still waiting for healing. Maybe it hasn't happened yet, but thank you, God, that you have ordained my healing. And I speak it that as it is on earth, so it will be in heaven. Amen? Other way around. Yes. Well, at the end of the day, that they both be the same, okay? Get off my back. Yeah. Just you guys should try being grateful. Okay, let's stand. Band, you can come up front. So here's a really cool, here's a really cool scripture for you. Proverbs 11 verse 11 says, Through the blessing of the righteous, say blessing of the righteous, a city is exalted. Okay, just, just think about that. Okay, it's not, it's not the fact that you preach good sermons that's, that the city will be exalted. It's not that you do amazing ministry. It's not that you've done anything special or you do worship really well, you do church really well, that you organize your lights in green and gold without people noticing. You're welcome. It's, it's the details, you know. None of that, none of that gets a city. The city is exalted not because of anything that we do, but because God chooses to bless his people. That's it. And from that place of being thankful, when I understand that I have something, I'm in a position to give. Why is the city exalted when God blesses his righteous people? It's because we understand that God's given me something to give. And just as he is a giver, he's now, he's given me something that I can give as well and that gift is good and that gift will exalt the city okay so I want you to put your hand up like this like you're going to receive okay Father I just thank you that you are a, a good God and you give good gifts Thank you, Father, that in your word it says that when we ask for bread, you do not give us a stone. That when we knock on those doors, they're open to us. And I thank you, Father God, that you transcend every cultural line, every racial line, every economic line, Father, your gifts transcend all boundaries. They transcend all diversity. And it's by your goodness in blessing your righteous people that your name will be known in this place. And Father, I repent 
of taking the things that you've given me and throwing it in the mud. And even if it, all that I have is five loaves and two fishes, Father God, I thank you that by your power, it will bless the multitudes. I just want you to spend some time alone. I just want you to thank God for the things that he's given you. Thank him for the family that you have, not the family that you want. Thank him for the money that you have, not the money that you want. Thank him for the awesome pastor that you have, not the one you want. Carl Lenz can stay in New York. Okay. Jesus. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. Father, I just thank you that that you come and consume us, that you're not you're not satisfied with half measures. You're not satisfied with half of me, but you want all of me, Jesus. Thank you that you come and consume all my insecurities all my hopelessness, my tiredness, my anxiety, my depression. Father, your fire consumes all of that. It's all burnt away in the name of Jesus. I just want you to thank God that his fire consumes whatever you're struggling with right now. Depression, anxiety, you don't know where money's going to come from. You're a bit stressed about that. Thank him that you have an unshakable kingdom and that his fire comes and burns away all of that in the name of Jesus just start speaking out loud speak that out loud start thanking God for the kingdom that cannot be shaken for his fire that consumes all illness 
all infirmity, all barrenness in the name of Jesus. You are blessed. You are not blessed by a half measure. Yes, Jesus, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your fire that comes and consumes. Yes, Jesus, Jesus. I just want us all to close our eyes and to bow our heads just... And if you want to meet with this Jesus today, this, this guy who gives you everything up front, no strings attached. The guy who says, I'm going to give you everything that you need in order to be a winner. Maybe you're tired of being a loser. Maybe you feel that you've lost so much that everything that you touch disintegrates. And God's saying that I'm going to give you everything that you need to turn everything that you touch into, into gold. Everything that you touch with your hands will bring me glory. And if that's you tonight, just nobody's looking around. Every eye's closed, every head is bowed. If that's you tonight, just where you are, I just want you to stick your hand up. Nobody's looking around. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus for the hands. Okay, you can put the hands down. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. I'm going to ask you to do something very brave. I'm going to ask you just to come to the front. Just if, if you don't feel like you want to come up front, just grab somebody's hand next to you. Say, I need to be up there, but I don't want to be up there. Come with me. If you don't want to come alone, just come up front right now so we can pray with you. Just where you are. Don't think about it. Just come. I saw a few hands them a round of applause awesome come here come here you saw come up front here awesome give them a round of applause so I just felt a word for tonight and I just pray that God gives you this revelation in your heart. That when you ask for bread, He doesn't give you a stone. You just, I just want you to think about the simplicity of that. When you ask for bread, He doesn't give you a stone. And I feel that tonight that there's a lot of people that have been asking God for so for something specific for so long and my wife she she has this awesome testimony that she shared um, on Monday she's talking about how how life is like it's going really well but she's just waiting for the moment where something bad's gonna happen you know and God came and confronted her and said I give good gifts they don't bite back how many of us believe that like it's going so well like, when am I going to lose my job? When is my kid going to get sick? When am I going to fail something? Huh? Yeah, are you with me? And we need to break that lie that God gives half gifts. Okay? And if that's you tonight, I want you to come up front as well. If you want to stand on faith that God has given you something good, 
that it will bless the city of George. I want you to come to the front. Here on my left. Come. I saw a few people agreeing with me. You know what I'm talking about. God gives good gifts. Come over here. Amen. Okay, I'm going to ask if, if some of the ministry team can come up front and help me pray for some people. Just grab a person here on my left or right. Okay, and then I want, if you're not up front here, if you're not helping with the ministry, I want you to turn to somebody next to you, and I want you to share with them some, a gift that God has given you that you're thankful for that can change this city. And if you don't believe that you have something, then you're going to ask God for something that can change the city. Because when you ask for bread, He doesn't give you a stone. Amen. You with me? Okay, turn to someone next to you and get praying.